0: Hey, PaceLiners. It's Patrick here. Just want to give you a little heads up that we had some problems with the audio from Selene this week, and it doesn't sound quite as good as usual, but uh, we do still have a show. Uh, Just be aware. It might sound a little chunky at times. Thanks.
1: Prayer. This is the paceline, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Celine Yeager, and with me is my co host, Patrick Brady. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are you, Patrick? I'm
0: good. Uh, I, you know, now that you've identified my superpower of being, you know, 40 degrees in rain, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that summer has really arrived here in Santa Rosa, uh, I, I am. I feel like I'm all the more sensitive to the heat than I ever was. <laughs> I was like kryptonite now. Yeah. Now that your superpower is out. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, but you know, Hey, it's summer. It's beautiful. I'm taking the boys to the pool. Things it are is good. good.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: it is good. I, I love summer. I love summer. I, it's even when it's really hot, it's just, uh, I have a lot of favorite seasons. Every season I say, except winter, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, spring is my favorite and fall is so awesome. But <laughs> I have, I really, I really heart summer. I like the, here we have fireflies and bats and I love the humidity and I love going straight from the bike into the pool. And I just, like, it's one of those things I'm like, don't end, don't end, don't go summer. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of celebrating summer.
0: Yeah. I think I just need to start getting out earlier in the day. So. That'll that'll fix things. Uh and I I do enjoy the longer days.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a that's a fun thing. Yeah. So. Cool. Uh well good luck with that heat wave you've got.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well it's going to be it's supposed to be ninety eight, I think, and ten thousand percent humidity over the weekend. I have some friends doing the Wilderness One o one, which is a one hundred one mile mountain bike race out in central p a and it is I've done it, and it's it's always hot in July, and it's always super, super hard there because it's you're in the woods, there's no air, it's humidity, and you're barely you know grinding over these rocks i can I hope everybody doing that be safe, stay hydrated, don't mess around with it. don't drink tons of beer the night before, save it. Okay, I'm just here's your mom talking. Like, <laughs> rehydrate the night before. Get some liquid IV. Get some preload from scratch or Osmo. Put some salt in your food. Put some salt in your water. Make sure that you go into that thing really well hydrated and take care of yourself because heat stroke is no joke. I and mean, you can definitely have it when you're out on the mountain bike grinding up an 18% climb after that aid station three. Just saying. So,
0: note to self. <laughs>
1: Take care of yourself. Anyway, everyone else just enjoy the weekend. Yeah. So <laughs> just trying just trying to take care of my people out there who I know are gonna be seeing stars yeah. um racing mountain bikes in what, where it's gonna have a real feel like 110. It's gonna be hot.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Yeah. What do you got this? That's week? my public service
1: again. I like to have these public service announcements on the on the Paceline.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna
1: call it Paceline PSA. Um, but that is not what my poll is about. Uh, so it's interesting. I I wrote my poll pretty much before I read your RKP piece on uh, Velopro. Uh-huh. And then I was like, well, you're sort of like on the same web link. So Patrick, for those who did not check out RKP recently, wrote a review on Velopro, which is the same uh, AI coaching platform, that I was talking, I talked about that as an earlier show, that it provides automatic training plans based on the goals you set. You know, so you just go in and you plug in your stuff and pop, up comes a little training program. Um, you know, and I found it super impressive when I used it because as you mentioned in your piece, it's always there for you. I'm like a coach that sometimes is late with your programs or sometimes they're not available when you want them and it automatically adjusts your programming. So, you know, if I blew off today, it would just be like, Oh, you missed that day. And it would recalibrate from that moment. So, you know, that's pretty cool that it, that automatically adjusts to your training going awry. But, um, in the end, I found it really just wasn't for me. I I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but I'd call up the plans and I would largely just ignore them. (laughs) And eventually I would just go do my own thing. And eventually I just, Stop looking at it. Like I just, even, I just didn't even, like I closed the tab because it just made me feel bad. Like it, I had the tab open in Chrome because I was like, oh, and then I just closed it because I'm like, I'm never looking at this and it's just making me feel bad for not looking at it. <laughs> and I hadn't given it much thought again until this week when I started working with a real life coach again. Um, I've had the opportunity with science and sport or SIS as they're known, To test drive some of the products, you know, they do beta fuel, they do some bars, they do uh, the only isotonic gel on the market, which is a little slippery going down, but it, yeah, it's a little hard to stomach, but it is, you know, it is, it does work. Anyway, they offered me, you know, to test some of the stuff with a little personalized coaching. Uh, It's just like a little thing they're doing for some media. And my particular coach is Elliot Bach, who works at Training Peak. And I think he's a pro triathlete. And I was like, sure, you know, happy to check it out. And we started working together uh, Monday, and Tuesday was my first structured workout. I did five by six minutes. They started out smooth, ramped up over the interval to the last minute, was pushing really, really hard. I uh, almost uh, tossed up a couple of my chews on the last one, so I knew I was hitting the right intensity. <laughs> then I, you know, I had four minutes of recovery, repeated the drill five times. Today I did a workout, not necessarily prescribed for myself, um, low cadence interval. Uh-huh. So I did seven minutes jamming below 65 RPM Ooh. with three minutes of recovery between repeated that six times. Yeah, it was kind of cool because I, I actually love low cadence riding because I am a bit of a master. And when I did a lot of triathlon, I would push a big gear because it could keep my heart rate down. Uh-huh. You know, so it's, uh, I, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. And I think I like, he, I think he's doing it because I'm not willing to do much strength training in the summer. So I think he was trying to sneak in a little, that's a good way to work your strength on a bike. So I think <laughs> yep. that was just like a sneaky way to get me to do some strength training, but I totally loved it because I actually do like to do big gear drills. Anyway, I have to say that unlike developer coaching, I am obviously excited and motivated to go out and nail these workouts. And I get a little jolt of stoke, you know, when I open up my plan and see what's on tap for any given day. And I, you know, without thinking about it on the riot today, and I realized that for me, The difference is the human being on the other end of the coaching platform. Like with VeloPro, there's nobody I can let down. You know, my AI coach does not care if I blow off a day. Four days, hell, I can blow off the whole shebang. My AI coach is not going to be sad, you know, on the other side of It's not going to be disappointed in me. Um, And I also, the flip side, can't imagine a VeloPro robot being proud of me for nailing any given workout. Yep. In the end, working with Velopro is just like about me giving myself my own gold stars and pat on the back for so like clicking the right boxes and and doing it. And, and that's weird for me to say because I'm super self motivated and I'm super self. You know, I'm I'm the self employed. Like you have to, you have to be a self starter to be <laughs> you that You are way. a
0: self starter. Yes,
1: I I, I, I am. <laughs> but but it really it it just didn't work for me. I mean, and I also like I couldn't ask Velopro questions. I couldn't be like well, why am I doing sweet spot training on Wednesday? You know, like with a real coach, I can ask questions and I can learn. But I, but I think like, that's a bonus. But I think for me, it's really, it's that human accountability. Like I've, I've always been an A student. (laughs) I've always been one of those students who who tries to impress my teachers. If someone asks me to jump three feet, I want to jump four, you know, and, and well, it's, it's weird to say, but I've, I've, I've come to this realization over the years, and and I and I've owned it that I don't really exist without others. Like I I know nobody really does because you know humans all sort of need each other. But I really, really don't. Like there's not much that I do just for myself, and that that sounds kind of sad. And sometimes I I thought that made me feel like hollow or something. But I but I really don't think it is. Like like when I race or ride or train. I am always thinking about what I can share with others about that experience. Like I'm all about sort of the shared experience and what can I convey from my workout? What can I convey from a different race? Like what can I convey to you and the people listening even now to like bring them along with me, you know, and it's not really grounded in getting people's approval because you know, I, I, I gave up on that a long time ago. Like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not looking, (laughs) I I got real big skin and you can't be in media without like, being willing to you know not make everybody happy all the time but i'd be 100% lying if i said i didn't care about impressing people in some way because i do and i'm really driven by all those specific human interactions like the lifting each other up and and you know lifting as we climb and and shared experience and 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 wanting to make people proud and not wanting to let people down and that at the end of the day, like, I, I think that's why I've always responded so super well to coaching. Like, I respond really, really well to coaching. And even though I am a coach and I could totally write a plan for myself and I know how to follow a plan, I know how to train for something, I don't respond as well as when I wake up and I look at a plan, a human being is on the other side of and has some sort of expectation and hope for me. I just respond so much better to that. So.
0: Interesting, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, here's a question. I mean, my knowledge of you is that you're reasonably introverted. You know, you you spend a lot of time in, uh, and I in a reasonably introverted. Reasonably introverted, strangely extroverted. Well, and yeah, there are these there are these moments where something will will come out. So you'll share something, and it's like, wow, that sounds very extroverted um so i mean do you in your interactions with people does that charge you up do you get excited from interacting with people directly
1: see this is this is where i can't quite figure out where i where i fall on that spectrum is because when i am alone i want to be with people when i want to be with people sometimes i can't wait to be alone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where I fall on that. Subject. I do need my downtime, which does not involve people. Okay. But I feel, but I, but I don't like to be in my own head too long. It's not a good place for me. I am, I'm, I'm too self-critical. I'm too, I, I'm, I, I'm too nihilistic sometimes. I'm like, I'm too, what does the world mean? I'm trying to solve it's it's overwhelming to be inside my head in an empty space. So it's, I, I try not to have more than that than is healthy. So then I need to reach out and be with people, but I get, but I get very nervous, you know, like we had a party on Sunday and I initiated it, but then that, and then I'm like, Oh, all these people are going to be here. And, and then they came and it was wonderful, you know? So I, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little schizophrenic on it, honestly.
0: Well, the, that you that you do need that quiet recharge time, that is, mm-hmm. to me, that's the fundamental signifier of an introvert. Uh, but, you know, yeah, people often mistake, uh, you know, an introvert who's thoroughly engaged with people. They'll think, oh, yeah, you know, Celine's totally outgoing. She's totally extroverted. It's like, no, not really. That right. That needing that downtime to recharge is the thing. But yeah, even though, I mean, I'm very similar in a lot of ways. You get me among my peeps and people would think that, you know, I'm, I'm a performer and I'm, I'm not, I gotta have the recharge time. I've gotta have the downtime. I need to be able to do rides by myself. Right. But that interaction with others, if I'm not, if I'm not doing that, I go dark places.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Totally. But where did, where did, have you going back to that coaching point? Because there's, you know, there's even like another layer there of like somebody to impress or not to let down or to be, I can't like, is that at all? Does any of that resonate with you or you
0: just don't, you just don't care? It's been so long since I've had an intimate relationship with a coach that, you know, one where we talked on a regular basis, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. It's been so long. I I just, I don't even know how I would function in that relationship anymore. The funny thing for me Mm. with VeloPro was that I would look at what the workout was supposed to be. And every now and then there was a day off. It's like, no, I'm riding today. And, you know, I'll, (laughs) I'll deal with whatever I did wrong tomorrow. You know, maybe tomorrow's ride ends up being shorter and easier. Whatevs. But a lot of times, I would look at what the workout was supposed to be, and I'd just shoot from the hip. You know, if it would say you know three twenty-minute intervals or something, I'd just make sure that there were some longer hills in there, and I'd try to drill uh-huh. it for the whole of the hill. And uh-huh. if I got you know whatever four fifteen-minute intervals I- instead of three twenties, uh, that's yeah, that's yeah, close I- enough. I-, I get that. Uh, yeah, and I'm. In that regard, apparently I'm easily satisfied.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I should, I, I relate to that quite a bit too. I mean, there are, there are some times that I want to absolutely nail it. And there are some times that I do exactly what you're saying. Like I get, I get the point, And as long as I've sort of like satisfied what that point of the workout is, I'm okay. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I totally, I totally get that too.
0: Yeah, I mean, because in the grand scheme, one day where you do a different set of intervals than another set of intervals, if you did intervals, you know, unless it's just not applicable to the the event you're working up to, you know, that's a mm separate.
1: The only the only little flag that raised when you know in this conversation when you said that is that I believe that there is a real palpable benefit to following a plan by the letter because it does something to your discipline. It does something to your confidence. You know, it's like, there's something that happens. It it shows commitment and conviction and all that stuff. Like when I trained for Ironman all those years ago, like my coaches were shocked. I did, I did not miss one single workout. I did every single workout for the nine months that they, every day, like I had, I have never been, and I am that saying something, I have never been so single mindedly focused in my life. But that, the results that brought were astronomical. It was unsustainable. I would have blown up my family, my household, my job. And people do trading for Iron Man all the time. Yeah. But, you know, like for that, for, I, I saw the finish line and I knew that was the finish line. And I would not continue to be like, I'm going to be an Iron Man for the rest of my life. Um, you know, so it was, I was willing to go that path. But man, it works. And you know, I I can see. I mean, that's how people do blow up in their lives on every spectrum, right? But then you get you get whatever you're going for. You just mow over everything else on the way, anyway. You don't have to do that all the time. But I do think there is something to be said for that kind of uh, laser focus sometimes.
0: Well, but you know, your point largely is not about the fitness. It's about all these other ancillary benefits. Totally. Which apparently I'm not terribly concerned with right now.
1: <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you have to, and that's the other thing, like you have to, I would never be able to do that again. I would never be able to replicate that because I, I achieved that. I don't care about anything like that was something that I just really, really wanted. And I, you know, you have to really, really want something and it has to mean something for you to, for you to do that. Like I I I could say even if I had a race that was super important to me right now, I just don't think I could go into it with that you know, just total a hundred percent, you know, eyes forward, sharks don't look back, kind of uh kind of oh. focus.
0: Wow. Uh I yeah, don't, sharks don't look back. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever chased anything that way. I mean, as hard as I've worked at so at some stuff, I'm not sure I've I've ever been that disciplined about anything i've done
1: was pretty funny like at one of the interim races um on that journey i was at a, a half iron man so half i don't know who knows who cares it was another race and a woman was next to me at registration she's like i hear you're a fierce competitor and i was like me because like, I, I just didn't even like i i i thought of myself because that wasn't my point. Like I was so laser focused on achieving a goal, but in no race did I ever do it to beat people. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not my that's not what I'm about. Yep. So I don't think I never thought of myself that way. Like people saw me differently, and I get it. Mm-hmm. So I understand what they were seeing, but that wasn't how I saw myself. I was on a mission, but it wasn't about anybody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, and that part I completely get. Uh, I, you know, I wrote recently how, if I were, if I put together some amazing fitness and if I were to win the 50 to 59 category at a grasshopper, it would actually be kind of counterproductive. Because it, people would see what I'd done there in a light that I don't want cast on I the work that, that I do. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I, I, you know, I, I, I for people to start seeing me as somebody who wants to win a race and it's a giant pain. It took me years to sort of get rid of that.
2: Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I mean, you know, to, to have a top five day, that'd be fine. That'd be mm-hmm. fine. To be close to the action is a lot of fun. I, yeah. I used to always say, you know, I only need to be fast enough to be there when the last attack goes. And I'm not anywhere near that currently, <laughs> but, but you know, there's good
1: stuff happening at all parts of the race. I, yeah. that's, I think that's true. Yeah. Like, well, everyone's there for a reason. And
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well that dovetails nicely, uh, with, uh, the conversation I just had with Jim Cummins of dirty Kansas. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, I've been trying to catch up with him, since uh the race really um <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's only been over a month I mean, it's not been that long yeah well he's he's had some he's had a health issue he had a loss in his family uh and so it, he really hasn't been his normal big bear of a self uh mm-hmm. and so it took a little while for us to to hook up, but we did. And I got to run some questions by him that have certainly been on my mind since June 1st. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So here's Jim, Jim Cummins, man. It's good to talk to you. Uh, I haven't seen you since uh, midnight. uh, What?
2: Six weeks ago. Uh, It's been about that long. Yeah. How are you doing, Patrick?
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, better than I was then. (laughs) Although that's (laughs) That's not entirely true. I mean, I was I was pretty on top of the world when I came across that finish line. And uh maybe this would be a good opportunity
2: for me to apologize again for <laughs> blinding you. <laughs> uh, no apology necessary. Uh, you you're not the only one that comes across <laughs> the line with uh helmet light shining and uh, uh and that's just part of that's just part of uh the game for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just so funny to step
0: away from you thinking I'd had my little moment and then to have you go, Oh, Patrick,
2: <laughs> Yeah, that Patrick's light that was shining in my eyes. Yeah. I had yeah. to go back and congratulate you again.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a very different day and I don't know to what degree you've seen what I've written uh, about the day, but it was a very different day than the one I set out to have. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part of it all is that what I most value from that experience was riding after dark Mm -hmm. there was and you know it's like i don't have a really great working definition of this word but at some level the experience was kind of mystical
2: yeah yeah you know we just got done with uh, our lunar cans event that was just last weekend yeah i was gonna ask you about that i have to say it's by far my favorite event that we do all year long there's there's something truly magical about riding out in the Flint Hills under a full moon in the middle of the night. Yeah.
0: Why don't you describe it a little bit more for people who haven't heard of it before?
2: Well, Lunar Kansa is a, just like uh, I I mentioned, it's a uh, gravel road ride under a full moon at night. Um, It is a leisure ride. Uh, It is in no way, shape or form a race. It is an opportunity to get out there and ride gravel with friends and just enjoy the experience uh, and everything that is the gravel community, and uh, and do so in, in, in a setting that's maybe a little bit different than we typically do. That being at night under a full moon. Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, let's talk about length and how long it usually takes people to complete.
2: Um, yeah, it's up to fifty miles. We do uh, kind of a popsicle or a lollipop type of, uh, route where it's, uh, an out and back with a loop at the end. Uh-huh. So, um, um, it's about 15 miles out to a water stop uh, and where you can turn around and head right back then if you want. Um, and that to make a 25 to 30 mile uh, night, or you can continue on, on the extra loop. Um, and it brings you back to the water station a second time, and then back to Emporia, and uh, makes it about a fifty-mile evening. Neat, neat. Yeah.
0: What time of day do you start, or well, what time of uh, night? It's,
2: it's, <laughs> well, when we first started this thing, it was it was just a nighttime ride. But the the, the event has grown to be slightly more about the party afterwards than the ride itself. And (laughs) because we don't want to compromise the party afterwards, we start the ride a little bit earlier. Um, When it (laughs) was just a ride, the ride started at 9 p.m. So, you know, we were riding almost entirely, at you know, in in the dark. Now we start to ride at 6.30 in the evening. um, Allows people to enjoy the ride. As long as they don't ride too hard, they still get, some of their ride at night, um, but then they still have time to get back to Emporia. And then we have several hours where we enjoy a block party with, you know, live music and yard games and beer and food and good conversation. Is
0: this a situation where you have to behave uh, once midnight strikes like <laughs> Dirty Kansas? Uh,
2: We We do have to shut things down at midnight, yeah.
0: It's it's understandable. I mean, given the size of town that Emporia is, uh, there are homes that aren't that far. That's from, right.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, we're to the age where we, we like to go to bed. Oh, now, <laughs> come on. <laughs> At some point. Right. Right. Some point, you know, there's some,
0: uh, <laughs> you know, I got to say. When I was rolling into town and by rolling into town, when I was still maybe 10 or 12 miles out and I could see the glow of the city. Could you see the searchlight? Well, before I could see the searchlight, there was first the glow of the city and you know, then there'd be a turn. I, you know, I'd be headed toward the city and thinking, yes, I'm on my (laughs) way in. And then suddenly there was a right hand turn. And now the city is off to my left at about 10 o'clock and moving toward nine o'clock. And I am not entirely thrilled about this. (laughs) And then, you know, I I'd make another turn and I'd be heading into town again. And suddenly, yeah, I can see the searchlights and it's like, wow, I'm really starting to get close. And then there's a left turn. And now the town is off on my right shoulder, Mm -hmm. moving, moving off behind me. And I'm like, (laughs) Mother effer, what are you doing? Um, it was, it was the best ride tease I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah. Uh, what a crack up that was. But you know, that actually leads me to a question I really wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of the course, I realized as I was riding it that you have to put in some serious, that is you, not the riders, you sir, put in some serious conscious thought into course design somewhere around let's call it nine o'clock that night i realized that there comes a point in the course where seemingly you have to dial back the technical challenges of the course Mm -hmm. just in consideration of rider's safety some of the hills that i did in the first hundred miles would have been very challenging if i'd encountered them in the dark Mm -hmm. so would you talk a little bit about
2: You've hit the nail on the head, uh, Patrick. It, it, it is all about rider safety. That is always uh, our number one, pri- you know, priority. And um, and you're right. There is a lot that goes into course design, uh, rider safety being the, the number one issue. Um, but, uh, you know, other things like, uh, you know, does a road even go through? Or if it does go through, you know, does it all of a sudden turn into uh, a low maintenance stretch where uh, it might be appropriate to do that stretch during the daylight, but maybe not so appropriate to do it um, after, you know, after nightfall. Uh, again, a rider safety issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other things like uh, respect for local landowners. Uh, uh, you know, we, we will avoid uh, running um, 2,000 cyclists past a feedlot. Because we don't want to spook cattle at night. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, there, And, you know, that's just one uh, thing that pops up in my mind as we talk about this. But there's any number of things that would uh, be considerations as we're laying out a course like that. Yeah. Wow.
0: Now, I read that the non-completion rate for the 200 was 28%. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I've ever seen so many DNFs at an event, especially something that's kind of so bucket list for people. I'm curious how that compared to other years. I'm guessing you're hoping that it was higher than what you usually encounter given the difficulty of the course this year.
2: Uh, actually, uh, 28 to 30% DNF rate is just about average for us. Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it, it certainly is not a high number at all. Um, it, uh our finish rate has been as low as 19 percent um, Now obviously that's not what we want We want uh, more people have a successful experience than that but mm-hmm. um, um, you know when um, I think the 19 percent year came we had two years in a row where the temperature got over 100 degrees Ooh. and uh, that 19 percent finish rate was one of those two years yeah but um, 70 to 75 percent, uh, or I guess I should say 75 to 80% finish rate is is right at average for us.
0: Okay. Now, for riders who DNF in the 200, given that it's a production to come do the event, how often do they come back for another bite at the apple to redeem themselves?
2: Oh well, quite often. Yeah, uh-huh. quite yeah, yeah. Um I think we had just a slightly over 50% of our participants this year were first-timers, and, and that was um, one of our highest uh, rates. Um, it's typically around a third to maybe 40% of our riders are first-timers. Um, but yeah, um, up, and, up until this year, the majority of riders have been return riders. Very cool. Yeah. It's, just, it's just kind of the way the uh, the numbers fell fell out this year with, with the lottery selection. Um, yeah.
0: Man, the day before the race, when the town of Emporia was virtually overrun with cyclists, <laughs> I was amazed at how much the Expo had grown. It was many times, I don't know, you know, maybe order of magnitude larger uh, than what I saw in 2017. Oh, yes. Now that you've had a year with Lifetime's horsepower behind you, Mm -hmm. where do you think the big gains for the event have been in terms of user experience?
2: Well, I think, uh, yeah, the Expo is definitely uh, one of the areas, if not the area, where we've seen the most significant growth and uh, where I think we will continue to see the most significant growth in the next year or two. Um to the point you just made, 2017, I think we had 17 vendors in our expo. Um, Last year, 2018, we had 48, give or take. Um, And this year, we had about 120. Um, Oh my god! We have already gone to the city and uh, we're beginning talks with them about uh, adding, significantly adding uh, more space for an even greater expanded Expo in 2020. Wow, that's really something. It is exciting. It's very exciting Um, and very gratifying for us. I mean, I I, I think we can safely say that, uh, and I hope this doesn't come across as braggadocious, um, but Emporia, Kansas is the gravel grinding capital of the world, and and, uh, we're very, very proud of that.
0: You've done something special in terms of establishing yourself as you know, the Alp Duez of gravel. You haven't really been a gravel rider if you haven't gone to Emporia yet. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I can I can see that now in a way that before my first visit, I simply could not appreciate. There's there's an electricity to the event the day before in a way that I've never encountered with any other event in my life. Mm -hmm. And as I've mentioned any number of times, finishing that event, coming down the chute, getting personally greeted by you or, you know, somebody who's very close to you, one of the founders,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's unlike any other finish I've ever encountered. And I (laughs) I think the thing that's, it's more than just a cherry on top. It's the ice cream in the sundae itself.
2: (laughs) Uh, we, we do take a, a, put a lot of weight in, um, in the finish line experience that, that, uh, one gets at Dirty cans uh, It's very important to us. Um, and, uh, we do, we do put a lot of thought and effort into that and, and we want it to be a very mem- memorable experience for everyone who comes down that chute
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and having the kids hand out the paint glasses, that's, that's pretty stinking <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah they you. certainly enjoyed it. Uh, I, the, I mean, it's 1230 a.m. and kids are excited about handing me a glass. Yeah, <laughs> no <Neat laughs> trick.
2: Very good. Thank yeah.
0: you. Yeah. One of the things I was curious of, to see following the lifetime acquisition was whether the approach to aid would change. And mm. in, in short, it did not. When I talk to people about the event, people who've never been. One of the big questions I hear is why the approach to aid is basically DIY. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are opportunities to take another approach. While I do love the carnival atmosphere of riding into a checkpoint town, as I can attest, putting together even a small crew to offer support is not easy. Mm -hmm. Why do it this way instead of more like a Fondo?
2: Uh, I guess it's just it's our roots. Um, you know we started as a as a one hundred percent fully self-supported event. Riders are going into convenience stores, sure, to uh, you know get get a couple of bottles of Gatorade and some power bars uh, or snickers or you know whatever the case. Uh, uh, a Casey's slice of Casey's pizza <laughs> um, and and you know they'd refuel, uh, top off their bottles and Head back out for the next leg of the course and race to the next convenience store. Um, obviously, we outgrown the, the opportunity to do that. Um,
0: <laughs> 2,000 people showing up to a 7-Eleven.
2: Um, and really, it, the, 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 the change was m- much more deliberate than that. Um, you know, it, we, we recognized about three years into Dirty Kanza, um that we were requiring riders to have a support group present. But we were then telling that support crew that the only thing you're allowed to do is sit around in a hotel room all day and wait for a phone call you hope you don't get. Um, that being a phone call from the writer saying, I'm abandoning, abandoned, income. get me. Mm. Um, so we recognized that we needed to somehow get the support crews engaged in the event so that they were enjoying the day just as much as the riders and so that they would want to come back the following year just as much as the riders and so um we changed our uh, rules um so that the support crews were not only allowed but they were encouraged to go out to the checkpoints and to set up a pit stop and to greet their rider as they rolled into the checkpoint and assist that rider while they were in the confines of the checkpoint. Um, that actually was, um, I don't know whether I want to say groundbreaking, but it was, it was definitely a shift away from um, the origins of gravel and the standard that was gravel back then. Um, so much so that I actually received hate mail by the droves that uh, I was ruining gravel, uh, was <laughs> ruining the the self-supported nature of gravel and that, uh, you know, who the hell did I think I was uh, for doing such a thing? Um, and uh, fast forward a few years now and uh, I, th- I think we were right in our decision. You know, the support crew's love the fact that they can go to the checkpoints and be there to support their riders. And they, they do enjoy their day as much as the rider. And, um, so that, that, I guess that's kind of just the the reader's digest version of what's behind that and and why we do things the way we do. Um, it's, it's, again, it's just kind of is part of our history and, and part of, uh, of who we are and how we got to where we are today. And it's something that uh, we want to, we, we want to protect and preserve.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay. Because I did a race three weeks later, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is to say before I was fully recovered, I am still not fully recovered from DK.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you hear from people about the average amount of time it takes to get over the event to, to get back to feeling like your traditional uh, healthy, ready-to-go rider self?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I say, I guess answering from my own experience, I mean, I was able to ride Dirty Kanza um, in 06 and 08, back when it was very, very small, and a guy could organize it and ride it at the same time. Um, and it would take me a good solid two weeks. Um, it took me a week before I even wanted to get on a bike again. And um, a good solid two weeks before... I felt like I had anything at all to give, (laughs) um, but yeah, there's definitely a recovery process from an effort like that for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, as so often happens with me, it sounds like I'm out at the shallow end of the bell curve.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we were visiting a little bit before we came on. Um, uh, I've, I'm still recovering, um, from the weekend myself and I didn't even write it. Um, I've not felt well uh, since Dirty Kenza. Um In fact, I'm going on to my fourth week of uh, actually feeling quite ill. So, um, yeah, it definitely has a way of beating a guy down.
0: <laughs> well, and I can imagine that you could clone yourself two or three times, like that Michael Keaton film, Multiplicity, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> going back 30 years or whatever. <laughs> I, I can imagine that you could clone yourself a couple times and still be really, really busy that day.
2: Uh, I think you'd be right yeah well, and I, I in, in a way I feel like I have I mean you know Leland's out there working his tail off Chrisy's out there working her tail off treva's doing the same lifetime sent a crew of about a dozen people um, a dozen people that we didn't have last year and we still felt overwhelmed even though uh, they were there working twenty hour days and uh, working their tails off as well so um yeah it, it it there's a lot going on behind the scenes and um uh, and uh yeah we we I think we all would like to clone ourselves about three or four times and <laughs> and uh maybe then we might feel like we've got all the bases covered.
0: Very nice. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. For people who may be contemplating entering the lottery next year uh, mm-hmm. and hoping to go, are there any changes that you can discuss that aren't being held for a press release later this year? Uh, uh,
2: I can honestly say that uh, the answer to that is no. Um, We feel very good about the process that we have in place now. Uh, It is working extremely well for us. Um, One of those situations of it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. Um, Now, that said, you know, there's a lot of people every year that think the system is broke because they didn't get in. Um, Mm. uh, You know, uh, and, I'm, and I certainly don't say that in, in trying to make light of that. Uh, I, I, we understand the disappointment when you when you enter something uh, you know like that and, and don't don't get selected. Um, but the reality was or The reality is um, last year we had over 5000 people in our lottery for twenty seven hundred and fifty slots. Mm. That's a whole lot of people who we had to say no to. Um, that hurts us more than it hurts them. I can guarantee you. Yes. Uh, it's, that's not a very easy thing to do to tell that many people no. Um, but that's that's the reality. We only have so many slots. Um, we can we can only allow so many people in, and we have so many people who are saying, "Hey, I want to come play. Uh, I want to come to your party." And um, you know, it it goes back. Then, too, a little bit to what we were talking about earlier with, with the support crews and the checkpoint towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's really our biggest limiter is, is the checkpoint towns. You know, how many people and how many support crews can we get into a checkpoint and back out and do it safely?
0: Um, that makes and, great sense. Yeah, because it was yeah. you were running a gauntlet in a couple of those towns.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, we are having conversations around, um, you know, is there a way to maybe modify our support crew services the the way we the way we um, require riders to have a support crew and our support crew for our service? Um, Because. Every rider who, who signs up for the support crew for hire service, that's a support crew vehicle that doesn't have to get into the checkpoint and back out. Right. Um, so if we can expand that support crew for hire service, um, we the more we can expand that program, the more strain we can take out of the the checkpoint uh, scenario. So um, that you know that is something that we're always working on and trying to fine tune and trying to optimize. Um, and if we ever have an epiphany there and, and uh, make, uh, you know, great strides in improving that situation, we may be able to make a, a significant change in the number of people that we can allow into the event. But um, so far that hasn't happened. And, and right now we kind of feel like um, we're probably at a good place as far as the number of slots that, that we can accommodate.
0: Well, you know, as it is, given the size of those roads, given the size of the towns, I can appreciate that you feel like you're pretty well busting at the seams mm-hmm.
2: uh, for now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our our focus has never um, been on quantity. Our focus has always been on quality, uh, providing a, a memorable experience for each and every participant. And we're not willing to sacrifice our ability to provide that just to get a couple more, a couple hundred more people into the event. I certainly
0: can appreciate that. Jim, thank you so much. It's been great talking with you. It's a pleasure to visit with
2: Patrick. I appreciate you having me on today.
0: And, you know, hey, uh, get well soon.
2: I want to do my best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Vested interest and all. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, good luck to you. uh, And we'll be in touch.
2: Thanks. All right. Good day.
0: So, Celine, given that mm-hmm. you have significantly greater competence than I do in the periodized, periodized training department, mm-hmm. that I'm not fully recovered from Dirty Kanza, uh, what's my question here? Oh, should I be concerned by that, <laughs> that I'm not recovered? Yeah, you know, I and I, don't, I don't think you should.
1: I don't think you should necessarily be concerned. I mean, it as I said, going into it, it's not. Yeah, it's been over a month, but it's not been. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily super concerning. i mean because what you have to look at when it comes to recovery from that kind of thing, it, it's not. And I know you know this, but I'm just going to say it. It's not just that one day. It's all the stuff leading up to that one day. You know, it's not just. You're not recovering from June first. Yeah, you're recovering from January first to June first. Yeah, you know that's that's real. All that training, all that. That it's cumulative. That stress is cumulative. You've had some crap going on in your life too. Mm-hmm. Um, stress is stress is stress. Yeah, and I hear that. It's true. Yeah, yeah. When when you add, you know, like that kind of stress with stuff going on in your life, like that, that all sort of triggers the same response in your central nervous system, which is, which I honestly think is where a lot of recovery deep recovery happens mm-hmm. you know your muscles and all that kind of stuff but like the deep 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 stuff and when people get overtrained that's deep that's the central nervous system stuff that's the you know that's not just your muscles like refilling with glycogen yeah. it's everything else and that just takes longer and you know if you have stuff going on it might take even more longer and like that that is like when you're in, when you're doing a lot of you, I, I don't think that there was, I mean, you had a lot of emptying of the tank going into that, right? You had some grasshoppers that were
0: really yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Some well, of the toughest so you, days I've ever had on the bike.
1: Totally. So you add those up. It's not just about cancer. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, that, and that, that's what I think what you need to look at. Like I need, you need to give yourself like, honestly, the summer, like just to be like, all right. I did all that kind of stuff. You, you, I think you had your last grasshopper. like just be Three kind to yourself ago. and just, yeah, well just be like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm just going to chill. Cause I, you probably have stuff. When does the other, don't you do some mountain bike stuff that comes up or is that already happened? There's,
0: there's it's, one mountain bike race I do at the end of August and I'm, is that the monkey? Thing? Uh, no, it's, uh, the Casper classic up in Mendocino County. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, then when does that series start? Don't you have a mountain bike series?
0: Oh, the, the dirt crits?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's been
0: going all summer. I've done exactly when one of them.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I kind
0: of lost I, my throat on that. I, I have not been showing up to those because I've known that I just, I can't even go there. I am right. not physically able. You know, right after Dirty Kansas, I, <sighs> right after it. Uh, we had that talk about my central nervous system being fatigued because Mm -hmm. the legs felt reasonably good a week later, but the rest of me was just shelled and I did all I could to recover and get ready for the grasshopper, which was mostly just recover, not more hard training, but coming out of that a few different times, I've sort of coached myself into looking at it this way. And then I promptly forgot, but the, this way being, that's the end of my season. My season is over. I've had a full season. I began with hard events in January.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's really neat. You really need to look at it that way. It's almost like that season ending fatigue and that's different. That, that takes real, I mean, you didn't, you didn't take a month off the bike, right? Nope. Like sometimes after a season in November, there are people that just put down the bike and you know, walk away for a while.
0: Yeah. But there are people I'll shoot that if I, if I do that, you know, I will,
1: I, Oh, I get it. I get it. that's my thing. Too. But, but then you just have to be kind to yourself and allow yourself to,
0: you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Get it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm staying remarkably relaxed about this, but it has been a little bit amusing to me that, you know, I'm, I make something of an effort and my body's like, what are you on?
1: So when that when that feeling comes up, is it? It's not your legs. It's it's somewhere else.
0: It, it's the whole body going. Really, we got to go here.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's central. <laughs> You're not ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll come around.
0: And you know, fortunately for me, it's the sort of thing where I, I don't beat myself up.
1: That only makes it worse. (laughs) I picked up a lot of people that get where you are. And I I know I've said this before, but I see them all the time. They get where you are and they're like, well, I'm just not training hard enough yet. And then they go out, they would go to those series or they would try to do a bunch of interval, like anything. And then they're only just digging that trench, you know, deeper. That's how, that's how over like true overtraining happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've been there. I, I absolutely have been there. Fortunately, I've been no. there. Yeah, but it's been a long time. I, yeah, well, I
1: but if, yeah. once you've been there though, you can get back there easily, more easily. They think.
0: Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: And given, your, I mean, not to, not to just like dive too deep down into the, the rabbit hole here, but, but given like your, um, you know, the, the history of depression and all that kind of stuff, something tells me that maybe that physiology is prone to, to some of that, you know, like it, it's just something to mm-hmm. consider. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that you may just trend that way because of serotonin, because of all the other stuff. You know, it's just, uh, that's real. That's all just chemistry. It's all just part of your physiology.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, this is, this is definitely helpful. Uh, I've, you know, I've really, I mean, one of the big goals in my life, you know, now we're going a little further afield, but truly one of the big goals in my life in the last couple of years has just been trying to figure out how to be kinder to myself. Yes, you can go. You know, you can view that 360 degrees around you. There are a whole lot of ways you can figure out how to be nicer to yourself.
1: Yep. yep. Yeah, it's a hard thing.
0: Yeah, uh, but it's something that you know. The more I work at it, the the dividends are just enormous. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Well, let's move on to Paceline picks.
1: I have a I have an interesting one. just just it's you know people ask about supplements a lot, you know, and people supplements is such a strange, hot topic, and it's such a it's such a nightmare all at the same time sometimes because you know the more you dig into even vitamins, just like, well, there's really no point in taking them. you know a lot of there's a lot of stuff because the industry isn't regulated and the science is so sketchy, like it's hard to talk about supplements in any way sometimes that i I think is helpful or meaningful. but but that being said, you know, I, it dawned on me that the one supplement that I do and have taken the longest is sport legs. Are you familiar
0: with sport legs? I, I've certainly encountered it. I've never used it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I met Carl Holmes, who's the creator of them back mm-hmm. in 2005, which was about, I think he, I think he came out with the product. I think he was wandering around interbike in 2003, or at <laughs> least trying to let, you know, I think that kind of thing. And then, he cornered me. He had a little, like a little table that they had shoved into a corner somewhere, or maybe he put the table up himself. Who knows? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him because those were the days when you you could kind of get away with some of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, he, he sort of cornered me in 2005, and Barlas Streb was, you know, really convinced that they were working, and some other people that I had a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. So I tried them, and I was like, "There's something to this," and I honestly, I've it's the one thing consistently I've used Optigen w- when I'm racing a lot of a couple of things, but sport legs, I, I bring them with me at charity rides. I give them to people. I take them myself all they Cause they can't hurt you. Like that's the number one thing. There's nothing in them that can hurt you. All they do is preload your legs with lactate. Mm-hmm. So your body doesn't have to make it as soon, right? right. Because you make lactate at a, at, as soon as you get to your threshold, right? As soon as you start, You can't burn fat anymore with oxygen. You get to that threshold. You start making lactate for your muscles to use, but it's a dirty process. So you get like the the acid, you get acidic, and that's what shuts you down. Mm -hmm. So if you can push past, you can push that a little further out, that point, then I I call it kind of a good day in a bottle. It does not make you bionic by any stretch of the imagination, but you're just a little, you got a little more in the tank. And Mm -hmm. like when I do hundred mile charity rides, there's stuff where people don't have high thresholds. Every little bit helps them, right? Like yes. every little bit helps. Yes. So um I'm a I'm a big fan and I'm doing this. I, I it was on my mind because Carl Bless his heart sends me a bunch to take with me for the Pennsylvania perimeter ride against cancer every two years, which is like five hundred and fifty miles. And there's a lot of people doing it because they lost someone for cancer. And then they're, they're not trained athletes. They're not, you know, they're people who are right. really gonna be suffering out there. So I, I I hand them out like porn to people. Um, cool. And it, when people come back, I'm like a pusher. People come back, they're like, "Do you have any more of those?" pills? <laughs> yeah, you know, because that really that really helps. And I dug a little bit into because I know when you know the first couple of years after they came out, there was some people like pretty vehemently debunking them. They're like, "The science isn't good," and blah blah blah. But, but you know, I, I feel like the science didn't quite catch up yet. Like it's still it's it's still not equivocal. There's no hard fast yes he's absolutely working this is how but the the science i think is skewing more towards when you look at the energy systems and how lactate loading affects them i think science is going to be on Carl at the end of the day i really do i've been following it and i did a little more research before this poll and um you know they're 80 they're like 87 percent lactate that's what you're taking and it takes about an hour from the work you know he has some that digest and move a little more quickly but yeah i I'm a fan I think I think they're if I think they're worth trying for sure and like I said it's, it's not bionic but it's just just like having a good day
0: cool now let me ask you uh from a heart rate perspective say your threshold is 165 yep what's it gonna push it up by you know three four beats that's, a, that's an interesting interesting question you
1: know because I've been looking at that with that other product the amp Pr that that uh-huh. leg, which is another. I mean, I know I've made that my pick before, but that stuff is amazing. That stuff is fascinating because it yeah. really, really does work, um, and it works more profoundly than sport legs do. I will say that um, it, because I think, like to your point, the amp pr stuff. I see, like I am huffing and puffing well past my threshold, and my legs are not burning. That's a weird, weird phenomenon. But with sport legs, to your point. It's just a few beats. I mean, it really is. It's 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 just maybe five. You know, maybe like it's it's pretty subtle. But it's but it's not not for nothing. It's not unmeaningful, especially over the course of a day, especially when you're talking about long days. And I know a lot of skiers that use them, like people who are in that sort of crouched position oh, all the time. Like oh. that's that's where it started. Like those like the downhillers. Marlis Treb was a downhiller. Yeah, popping these things. That makes a lot of sense, right? Because you're just in that loaded, I mean, that's when you're building up a lot of in your muscles. So, um, yeah, it just, it's, I love stuff like that. I love stuff that is, you know, a little geeky, a little sciencey, there's something to it. It's not just, you know, not just yeah. fluff. and, and I will say that I do believe that they are as popular, if not more popular and available than ever. And longevity means something, I believe. Yes. You know, it, they came out in 2005, for sure, mainstream, and it's 2019, and they're still everywhere. And that tells me, like, placebo effect does not take you that far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, eventually people will stop. It, it, so, hmm, I think that means something.
0: I, I totally agree. You know, the market would have weeded them out if there weren't enough believers.
1: Right. Yeah. You will buy something once, maybe twice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but then after a while, it's like a...
0: Yeah, but when it, it becomes one. religion... It, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, so my pick. Uh, I'll just tell the story. Okay. <laughs> Over the last few years, I've been trying to find a lube that can really go the distance. By that, I mean no squeaky chain at the end of five hours in the dirt and dust. None of the quote unquote dry lubes have been getting the job done. For the last month, I've been using Muck Off's Hydrodent toy boat toy boat hydrodynamic (laughs) lube it's hydrophobic which is to say it hates water and it contains a uv dye along with a little light comes in the package there's a little like keychain light that you can squeeze and shine the light and you'll you can shine it on each link to see whether or not it is sufficiently lubed wow yeah yeah that's next level geekiness I mean the funny I'm sorry. thing, yeah, it really is. Uh, so if the chain doesn't glow, put more on. Seriously? Seriously? Yeah.
1: How have I this? Is how have I missed this?
0: I, I mean, at least it would be fun to lube your chain. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so it's petroleum free, meaning mm-hmm. it's a more ecologically sound yeah, lubricant. Yeah. I'm down with that. This is what I used at Dirty Kansas this year, uh, and I I don't want. <laughs> I don't want the pace line to turn into uh, the dirty cans version of Fatty and Hottie's <laughs> Leadville podcast. I really don't want to go there. Uh, but I mean, if ever if anything was ever a proving ground, DK two hundred, that's it. So oh, totally, yeah. My chain picked up plenty of dust, uh, but it didn't make a sound through the first hundred and fifty miles. At checkpoint three, mile one fifty one. I added another lube preemptively because expecting any lube to last 18 hours, you know, I, <laughs> that's yeah. maybe a little much, you know? Um, and I didn't, you know, if it went 12 hours, that was a big success to me, you know? And yeah. who knows, maybe it would have lasted 16 or 18 hours, but it, it did fine for, you know, 11 hours. Uh, Something like that. Somewhere in the 11 to 12 hour. No, it was even longer. It made it 13 hours. It was not yet dark, but it was on its way. So I know that a lot of people frown on lubes that will collect dust because that works grit into the links to wear out the chain. Okay. Mm -hmm. However, I submit that a dirty chain is better better than one that isn't sufficiently lubricated. Okay. A squeaky chain, you know, you're wearing at metal. It's not lubed. So that's going to do more damage to a chain than working in some additional grit. Uh, this hydrodynamic lube is expensive by any lubricant standard. It's 24 99. Uh, that said, given how long it lasts, you won't be putting it on the bike as long, uh, as often. And i I tell you, I put it on and I, I don't get home from any rides with a noisy chain anymore. And this we're getting into the point into the summer where using some other lubes, Hmm. I would apply them before each and every ride. Yeah. It's, it's that dry and dusty uh, on the trails. Uh, You know, road bike, it's a, it's a different thing, but you know, for the gravel rides I do, even if they're 50% road, I was still having problems that way. So huh. it's uh this thing this lube really has given me peace of mind. Uh I'm ultra pleased with it.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we don't you know, I it, I don't I don't I don't live in a universe that's that dusty. You know, so I don't I don't have like unless I'm going to an event, I don't have that that same need. We have other issues here, mud and, and whatever you have, but and yeah, I think super, it would do well in that. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like just, muck off in general. I like mm-hmm. them. I like their
0: stuff. So. I, I've been using their bike cleaner for, I don't know, a couple of years. And I, I yeah. like that. Uh, and this lube, you know, I've got dozens of lubes that I, I need to work my way through and try in the garage. And this one had been sitting around for more than a year before I got around to trying it. And uh. I feel like a complete pinhead for not having gotten to it sooner. <laughs> Again, that's I'm awesome. trying to be kinder to myself. <laughs> <But> it, was, <laughs> it was embarrassing. It's Like, why, why haven't I used Pinhead this? Before? is
1: not is not a good start there, Patrick. It, yeah, you might yeah. want
0: to change your. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I've got a good. That's
1: vocabulary. cool. I mean, I, and I get it. I yeah. get it. I mean, we all get stuff. That I mean, I have stuff too. I, it's interesting. Muckoff for a while. I don't know if they still do. They 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 tried to get into um, like body products. You know, they had like a leg like an amino acid recovery cream and stuff. Like, I don't know if it ever took off. They, they, they tried to go into that realm, but Hmm. I I just don't think people thought of them that way.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, once again, we do have a little bonus pick, uh, this week, the paceline kits from primal. Uh, they are Mm -hmm. up in the RKP store. Uh, it's up and working. Yay. Uh, I had some trouble with the store for a little while, but that's sorted. Uh, We've, uh, we've got a li- limited number of kits, but yeah, we've got a good range of sizes. So, uh drop by for one of those. Okay. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the pace line. Celine, are you pinning on a number this weekend?
1: Um, I don't know if I'm actually pinning on a number. I'm doing an event. I, okay. it's a Fondo. So I'm always a little like, I never quite know. I mean, I guess you pin on a number, right? It's it's close. enough. Yeah. I'm doing, um, yeah, it's close enough. I'm doing Tim Johnson's. Uh, oh. oh, it's a it's a very it's a very New Englandy name. Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, that's it. What? I uh, no, up in uh, Massachusetts, which is a I love that whole area. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm excited about that.
0: You should be. I mean, it it, it is going to be hotter than the gates of hell, but that is true. That uh, is true. But yeah, and the top of Mount Watchu it goes to like fourteen percent right before you get to the parking lot at the ski area. So, you're going to have a little bit of entertainment finishing that. Oh, it sounds like you know the area. Oh, well, I lived in Northampton, which was, I don't know, an hour away. I get that. It's right there. It's right there. Yeah. it's. A, I mean, it's I on the I've other side of the uh, it It's funny because I I suspect it's probably closed by now because global warming, but there was a ski area at the top of Mount Wachusett. Huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll let you know. I mean, and, obviously, it won't be open now, but I'll Right. See.
0: And the Fitchburg Longshow Classic had a road race that Ooh. finished atop Mount Wachusett right. every single
1: year. That's right. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, cool. See, I'm even more excited now.
0: Oh, you should be. You know? And then there's the fact yeah. that Timmy J is just an awesome dude.
1: I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, And it has such a civilized start time. It's like 930
0: or something. You know? How
1: <laughs> so many True times these things...
0: They're so early. <laughs> that's great. Uh, oh, except for the fact that it's going to be hotter than the gates of. Well, it's yeah.
1: supposed to be 10, but he just sent it. He's like, let's start a little earlier. He <laughs> just got an email. Like,
0: let's <laughs> try to get a little ahead of the heat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That'd that's funny. It'll be great. It'll be I have been so busy this week. Uh, I had a day fully out of the office yesterday. I have not been up to date on social media. Have you published anything with bicycling that we should be knowing about?
1: Um, I did something on sleep, which was kind of interesting. It's just, you know, I mean, we all know that sleep is super important. Uh, There's no, there's no secret there, but I was kind of surprised. This is the first study that they did on extending your sleep, like purposely getting more sleep and it's effect on endurance performance. So they had people who were sleeping about six and a half to seven hours on a regularity and had them sleep 30% more and then 30% less. Mm -hmm. And it's, when they slept 30% more after three days, they improved their um, performance on a time trial uh, that's around 60 minutes by two minutes, which is, which is large. That's and when they slept 30%, strange. yeah. When they slept 30% less, they they had almost a two minute detriment. But I mean, what was interesting about that is that it's something that you can actually just use to your advantage. You know, like sort of, even if you can't sleep, because they were sleeping like eight and a half hours. If you can't do that regularly, you could try before a key event, mm-hmm. you know, like, and the the researcher said like, sure, like that would, you could totally use it that way. Just fully, because it's just, I think it just allows your body just fully, fully regenerate.
0: Neat. Uh, sleep's been a big concern of mine lately. Um, I'll have to yeah. check that out. So we'll it have a link you. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, the big challenge is just figuring out how to keep my body asleep. Uh, So that's Mm -hmm. maybe you can write something on that soon. (laughs) Okay. All righty. Hey, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Poll. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for cyclists. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.